Welcome to episode 79 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched the new movie, My Spy, and I watched the 2008 anime, Megalobox. But first, Christian, you and I both watched My Spy. Now, I had not actually heard of this until you texted me about it last night. Yeah, it's one of those that's kind of got locked in COVID limbo. Uh, We'd been showing trailers for it at the theater for probably six months. And so all I really knew was it was Dave Bautista in a movie that looked kind of like a reimagining of the pacifier. So when I saw that this was out at the drive-ins and out on prime, I figured this would be a good choice. Yeah. And you mentioned it stars Dave Bautista and also uh, Chloe Coleman is the the little girl in it. Those are the two, two primary stars. Are there anyone, are there any other big names in this? There's a few. They play largely uh, like supporting roles. Kristen Shaw is Dave Batista's like partner, tech support kind of person, and she's the voice of Luis on Bob's Burgers, which is all I could ever think of pretty much any time she spoke during this movie. Uh, Ken Jong also plays who I think is like the head of the CIA, which seems right. patently crazy. <laughs> Well, and it was interesting seeing him because I've never seen him play a serious role throughout the whole time. And granted, this is like a comedy, but he he was not like he was a straight man for the entirety of this, I think. Yeah, he didn't really crack any jokes, at least not none that I can think of, except right at the end where he says, I have to check with somebody upstairs and there's, there's like we're on the top floor. Right. So that, that was a, a surprising role to see him. And uh, so I wanted to point out because I'm actually a little bit surprised by this. This is directed by Peter Seagal. Other movies that he has directed include Tommy Boy, 51st States, The Longest Yard and Get Smart. Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a pretty good comedy record. Yeah, I I am surprised. Like he seems more like an Adam Sandler guy. So I was, I'm, <laughs> I was a little bit surprised he's on a, a Dave Batista. I don't know how you classify this. Like, I, this is a family comedy to me, but I don't know if that's actually accurate or not. That's pretty close. It, it's the better version of Coffee and Kareem. <laughs> Absolutely, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely say that, 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 that that's accurate. So, what what is the premise of this movie? Dave Batista is a like ex black ops army ranger who is really good at killing things and blowing things up, but he is trying to become a spy and he has no nuance. So he's failing in basically every regard. Then through a series of unfortunate events, he becomes, he basically gets blackmailed by this eight year old girl who blows his cover. And then he has to begrudgingly, like help her through life and train her on how to pass a lie detector and whatever else she wants. So that that's the turn I was not expecting. Cause when I say I have, I had no idea what this movie was about going into it. I, I did not, like I said, you told me about it last <laughs> night and I was going entirely based off the name, my spy and the cover art. <laughs> uh, so I was not expecting this to turn into a parent trap style movie where she's like <laughs> trying to hook him up with her mom. We said the exact same thing. We were sitting there, and one of the people I was with said, this is turning into the parent trap. And I didn't see that that angle coming either. Like, I knew it was going to be about like her blackmailing him into 
teaching her spy stuff, but never in my wildest dreams that I think it was going to be a parent trap. Right. Uh, and so let's start with the beginning because kind of along the lines of that, the beginning of this sets us up as being like an action movie with uh, Batista undercover buying plutonium. But he's terrible at it. He's right, doing just... a he's doing a Russian accent that the bad guys call out immediately, and they say he sounds like Mickey Rourke from Iron Man Two, which I found hysterical. Yeah, I I actually liked some random things they called out on this, and that that was in my notes as one of them because when he was doing it, I was like, that is not a great Russian <laughs> accent either. And then he does a bit from Notting Hill. He's... I see. I did. I didn't pick up on that. I <laughs> Notting Hill. He's standing there, and he says that they're accusing him of being a spy, and he says, no, man, I'm just a guy standing in front of another guy asking him not to shoot him. And that's, like, there's there's a scene in Notting Hill where it's just, I'm I'm a guy standing in front of a girl, and then he ends up watching that scene in Notting Hill later in the movie. Oh, okay, so that is a really good callback. I was wondering what, what like, love movie or uh, romance movie he was watching uh, at the end there. That's great, actually. <laughs> That's really good. It, it like flashes into the control room, and Ken Jong says something like, "Oh God, he's doing Notting Hill." <laughs> uh, so after that scene, I will say the movie starts out strong. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the music in this, and not even in the first scene, but the the first like action sequence ends up occurring like with a car chase to Russian pop, like well pop music, but in Russian or German, because I guess ninety nine. Red Balloons was in German. I was really enjoying all of the Russian covers of the American pop songs. I think there was a Russian cover of Britney Spears that came on, and I was jamming, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, so after that scene, this the movie then, we go to uh, to the little girl played by, like I said, Chloe Coleman, and she's pretty good in this. I mean, I think her character is kind of annoying, but I, <laughs> I think that's the point of it, like... She's getting the upper hand on the super spy by somehow the CIA is so horrible at like targeting someone that she finds them with a Google search <laughs> and a smartphone. Yep. <laughs> but I one thing I wanted I I'm curious about because I actually like the music anytime they they played uh, a shot with her. The background music tended to be like some sort of French music and it reminded me of like Madeline or something. But oh yeah. In the beginning of the movie, she is talking about her shirt, and it's like a French band. She's like, I'm curious if they use the music from that French band. Oh, that would be cool. Because she's, they're supposed to be from France originally, I guess, or, or Americans that were living in France for a long time. Right, because if she was born and grew up in France, she got rid of the French accent very quickly. So fast. <laughs> yeah, and so let's talk about her family story a little bit, because... It's crazy. So the little girl and her mom moved away from France when it turned out her dad had been an international terrorist. Yep. <laughs> and his brother had murdered him. And not just like run-of-the-mill terrorist, like build a nuclear bomb, like a, a dirty a dirty bomb type terrorist. I I generally try to get ahead of movies sometimes. So when they were standing there saying, oh, they were doing like the mission briefing and saying the 
this person was killed by his brother and now their family moved. And I was sitting there going, Oh, it's going to be the family. And we're going to like, we're going to find out that's going to be a big reveal later. I'm, I'm sure. And then they just tell you like, right out the gate. Like, Oh yeah. It's, it's his family. They're the ones that we're here to surveil. Oh yeah, totally. But her, like the father and like the family comes from like a whore, like a whore. He was a horrible man. <laughs> And they sort of address it where she's like, was my dad that bad of a guy? And Bautista's like, well, I mean, he did some bad things, but <laughs> but legitimately, like, he was an international terrorist. I'm surprised they were allowed back in the U.S. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> I I wasn't sure where he stood on the actual, like, how bad of a guy am I? Because I know they said the brother wanted the like his plans to actually make the bomb but he he wouldn't give them to him and then he hid them away and that's why he was killed. So I don't know if he was like I'm going to work with my brother for a little while and then once he found out what what was actually going on he decided to get out or what I would have to go back and like watch that mission briefing again. Right. I <laughs> I guess you're right. like maybe it could not be but the way I took it was this man is like clearly a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> I was also surprised that the family was like fully aware of what had happened. Oh yeah, like the mom brings up the daughter knew about it. Like I feel like if it's something that big, obviously you're you're probably going to find out, but also like he wasn't arrested. He was murdered by his brother. So did then the F- FBI and CIA and all those guys actually like come out of the woodwork after he died? I guess. I just I had expected there to be some kind of dramatic tension of like Oh, the audience knows that this guy was a terrorist and the CIA knows that this guy was a terrorist, but this family might just think that his like their dad was killed. Right. But oh yeah, because yeah, the both the mom and the daughter both bring it up like, oh, he was a bad guy and we didn't know about it. Also, I think she like mentioned like US authorities raiding their house. They lived in France, and I know like the CIA does missions like that and stuff but generally not in like friendly countries and to the point where like they're acting in their official capacity you know and i i noticed that at the end when the cia was chasing down like the bad guy the brother in berlin like they didn't they they they're not interpol and they were not like german (laughs) police officers like they had absolutely no jurisdiction like they should just threw a german cop car or something in there so you're like oh they're working (laughs) with local authorities but they were just there it would have been a nice touch (laughs) yeah so um they end up in Chicago and they're surveilling and, and like Christian had said, the girl finds out they're spying on her fairly quickly. And this is when the movie makes a hard turn into <laughs> what I was not expecting, which is like uh, him befriending the little girl and then also him romancing the girl's mom. And there's some legitimately funny parts in this movie. Absolutely. I When... when... Kristen Schroll is like going through his his bag of gear and she accidentally throws the knife into his leg. He just doesn't move. Yeah, and she just pukes. <laughs> after yeah, after she'd been like talking all tough about oh I'm ready for field work, when am I getting my first mission? <laughs> she throws that knife into him and just throws up. I love how all the stuff he brings is a bunch of weapons, two wa- like filled up water jugs for uh <laughs> 
<laughs> not like gallon jugs, like, you know, 10 gallon jugs that you put in a water cooler <laughs> for him to curl and then his fish. Yeah, for weightlifting and, and blueberry. Yeah. I uh, love blueberry the fish. Yeah, it was like somewhat of because it was used as a joke once, but for the most or like once or twice, but for the most part, like the fish was just there and was accepted like he has a fish. <laughs> yep, just a prep. <laughs> but it, it like it fills his character out a little bit because it lets you it lets you get your first glimpse into oh, this is a like he's a good guy because he cares about this fish. Yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are on them choosing Dave Batista to be a spy. Like, I think he could work in certain scenarios, like that rush being like involved with the Russian military. <laughs> but on surveillance, he sticks out. I think, I, I mean, I definitely agree. But I think the plan was he wasn't really supposed to be getting involved at all. He was just supposed to sit in that room with her. Right, he wasn't but... really supposed to be going out. And this was this was like the equivalent of desk duty since he had screwed up the Russia mission so much. But even so, he part of this involved him breaking into her house, and he is a <laughs> large man with tattoos. I don't know. I feel like he sticks out. Like if you're going to break in, why wouldn't you dress up as like a delivery man? Or, like you know, there's a reason for True. you walking down that hallway. <laughs> the, the beat of him in the closet with the dog just staring out from behind the shelves. <laughs> yeah, that was good. The that whole that whole back and forth where he threw the dog into the closet and then had to had to deal with it. I yeah, this movie has some very funny beats in it. Yeah. Uh some of the some really good ones are when she finds him out she makes him uh take her ice skating and I was dying with how he treated the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he makes, it's again this this idea of he's really good at exactly one thing and he can't really do much of anything else. So he can't ice skate at all and he keeps falling. The kids are making fun of him and they they say you're shaking and he says something like, if I'm shaking, it's with anger. <laughs> he like trips him and immediately gets thrown out. <laughs> he's screaming, they started it. He's, yeah. He's what, you, you have in your notes how big he is. He's like... Six four or something. Six nine. That's so crazy. I dispute this billing. <laughs> Wrestling is notorious for overbilling people, uh, but according to a quick Google search, he's claimed to have been six nine two ninety. I could maybe see the two ninety. He's pretty solid, but if he's six nine, every actor in this movie is very tall. <laughs> that's in. That's crazy tall. He looked normal sized compared to like the neighbors and some of the other just normal people walking around. Like he wasn't a foot taller than uh than than the girl's mom, was he? No way. No way. Right. So I, I think that's a little bit disputed, but <laughs> but still. It is funny, like in the very beginning, he's like, you know, uh demonstrated to be this very capable man. He kills an entire entire like <laughs> squadron or whatever of Russian soldiers. Uh, and then he just gets taken out by the mom when she hits him in the nuts. Oh, yeah, she drops him. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go upstairs and collect my thoughts. Yeah. What do you what did you think of the neighbors? Because I was not expecting that review. And I, I, I really thought the only purpose that they were in the movie was because they wanted to do that uh, makeover scene. They definitely caught me off guard. I'm, I agree. 
I 100% thought after that makeover scene, that was the entire reason they were cast in the movie. Yeah, same. So I don't want to spoil it, but there's another reason they're in there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it surprised me. and But that was good because I, this is not a movie that I expected to surprise me in really any capacity. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And I actually thought they were pretty funny. Like the one guy literally has no lines the entire movie. <laughs> Just grunts. Yeah. Um, so when the, when the little girl and Batista actually start, start befriending each other is when he goes with her to parents and special friends day, which is that a thing at a school? Like, is that, they don't, if it's for like, if your, your parent has a a significant other that they call it that, like, I've never heard of that before. Okay. That's a good bet. I really wasn't sure where they were going with that. And I was I was genuinely thinking when Batista stood up and she said, this is my special friend, JJ. I thought for sure she was going to have to have some kind of a cover like this is my uncle. Otherwise, somebody was going to ask the question, why is this eight-year-old girl hanging out with this enormous man? Well, I mean, we saw her mom react appropriately the first time when she thought he was with her. But then she's just like, yeah, go go with my daughter to school after meeting you twice. (laughs) It's a little, little suspect. Also, this is clearly a wealthy school district because the three parents they had up there before, one was like a heart surgeon. <laughs> one was a real estate investor or something like that and, and randomly a travel agent, I think. Which I'm surprised still exists. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. But which begs the question, what was she doing in this school district? Because we saw that the mom was a nurse and it's not like they're paid in in spades so and i i don't know if she inherited that sweet sweet terrorist money but i i I think she said all their accounts were frozen everything so i yeah i don't know it's it's like one of those things like maybe maybe they moved into the right section but well if you remember like she's in the same building i thought they were in like across the street buildings but he's just on a floor above her his house had like a cot with bullet wounds. Like someone was like, "Oh yeah, that person bled out to death there." <laughs> like so, they're 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 positing that they're in an unsafe building, but like the gay couple's house and her house seem very nice, and they seem to be in a an area that has a good school district, which would make me think that it's not actually that dangerous of a building. No, but we. I mean, we can get into the school a little bit more with why did. I get like it's hard to be a kid. I I used to be one, but why would this girl want so badly to be friends with these people who seem to just despise her? Oh, that's what I was wondering too. Like this is a Chicago school. There are probably a hundred other kids in her class, not you know, in her grade. In her class, she keeps trying to befriend the same two or three people, and there are clearly other girls in that class and. I think it's supposed to be like those are the popular girls. Yeah, but I but mean, they don't establish it. Yeah, they just want nothing to do with her. Yeah, and she does not pick up on it. <laughs> also, she is a psychopath. <laughs> this Absolutely, little, yes. This little girl totally is. Like she was going to kill his fish without a, without blinking, and she talks her, her way into strangers' houses. And I'm to believe that she couldn't lie her way into making friends her age. <laughs> That's an excellent point. I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> right, like I don't know. Like that that threw me off. Like they're they're maybe right to not to want to hang out with her. 
they yeah they have the like the spidey sense because she absolutely is she's passing the lie detector immediately with no trouble she's lying to get onto all those balconies with no trouble she tips his fish tank over she like she had no no qualms about immediately blackmailing this person that she just met right i i i don't think she's that great of a kid <laughs> like <laughs> she like they're they're portraying her as two separate things where she's like oh i'm a little kid i'm defenseless but also like i'm a conniving child but also sweet <laughs> i don't know when he took her to that school and he's trying to tell her that she's in over her head and she shouldn't be blackmailing people. And he, he says something like, there's the little girl, and she, one day she disappeared and they never found the body. And she turns right around and she says, "Like, what, what would they think about the spy that put cameras in a little girl's bathroom and tried to seduce his mom? And he's just standing there shell-shocked. Yeah. Oh, man, and- that's, that's absolutely one of the scenes I went home and watched again. Can I also point out that Dave Batista does not know the rules to dodgeball? He was clearly out. <laughs> he got hit that's, by like nine balls. That's true. In the preview, I gotta say, because we we did we did watch the preview in the lobby of the cinemas for for months and months and months. Uh, in the preview, he gets hit with all those dodgeballs, and then one comes and hits him in the face, and so he'd be back in again. <laughs> but that I don't think actually happens in the movie itself. Oh. Maybe maybe it didn't. I wasn't paying attention. I, oh, well, I I don't remember seeing it. Like I said, I just know I just know from the the trailer. But I think that they used a different version where he did not appear to get hit in the head. Like Batista is loved at this school. Like he gets the teacher's <laughs> phone number and he comes back and no one's like, "Why is this guy at our art show insulting his kids' art?" <laughs> oh, that was hard to watch. That was hard to watch, but immediately following that is one of the best comedic beats of the movie of where he saves that dove. Absolutely. I I was blown away by that scene. That like I legitimately did laugh out loud at that. Like that was the perfect comedic timing. I guess all this little bird needed was for me to be there. <laughs> that bird. That was great. <laughs> Were you a little bit disappointed that they made like an entire montage of her learning spy skills and then she didn't use them at all? <laughs> kind of, yeah. The only one that she ended up using was right at the end where she she has to like bluff her way out of that hostage situation and she does the the blink twice to give him a, a signal. Right, but she wasn't even like on a lie detector. <laughs> no, it was just like an inside joke between the two of them. But right. yeah, there there really was no. She never had to do the lie detector. She never had to like talk her way into a, somebody's house. She never had to distract somebody to get away. It was yeah, it was just the standard kidnapping. And so, and this movie has such weird beats because it's like action, then him like a buddy comedy of like an adult and a child, and then it becomes him romancing this kid's mom which is like the next set and is it a little weird that i mean her husband clearly a terrorist but it's only been like a year since he died i i guess i don't know what the like what the over under is for getting over somebody who is internationally wanted <laughs> right right you, i mean you, you think maybe that the 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 ties would get severed pretty quickly <laughs> You'd think, but I, I don't know. I just question it because she's like, I've not been on a date. And it's like, I, I think it's fair. It's not 
she's no Joe Exotic going out seven days after after his death, but I still was wondering about that. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, in bringing that up, we got to the point why why I thought the entire point they had introduced the gay couple was them doing a queer eye style makeover for him. <laughs> and I gotta say, I like what they did. And they, yeah, they they straight up say, "Oh, the the people across the hall queer eyed him." Right. I that was a good line. I uh, <laughs> they at one point they're like, "No, that's out of style." And he was wearing flannel. I was like, "You know what? They're right. It looks like he's in two thousand. He's a two thousand ten <laughs> hipster wearing that because he he was wearing flannel with a button like all the way buttoned to the top." Uh, I mean, I don't button all the way to the top, but that's a scathing indictment of my closet right now. Right, I mean, they put a nice scarf on him and a salmon shirt, and he came out matching her somehow because she also was wearing a scarf. <laughs> so it was a scarf, and I picked that up eventually. But when he first walked into the restaurant, I thought it was a tie that like stopped mid chest, ah. and I thought to myself, "Why did they do that to this poor man? Oh, man. It really just looked like a black tie for a little while." But uh, I, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what what did you think about the what what I felt was like a shooed in like a shoehorned in conflict between JJ and his tech support person? Oh my god, that that was Kristen Shaw, right? Is yeah. who played her? She seemed to serve. I feel bad because I I really like Kristen Shaw. Like you said, she's Louise, and I like her in Flay of the Concords, but. Her character did not seem to serve any real purpose because they never needed to hack anything. Yeah, there there was not... She didn't really do much. She just wanted to be trained, and then they forced that kind of human drama in where she was mad because he was training this eight-year-old girl after refusing to help her do anything. But then she drops it almost immediately. Yeah, because the girl's like, I'll teach you. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> But even like even before that, he's over, he's over in in their apartment, and he looks at that drawing that's that the girl did of of the two of them together with a heart over it, and she she's watching them through the scope, and she says something like, "Oh, he's toast. Like he's he's stuck with his family forever now." And after that, it's like I don't know if she she like came to terms with the fact that he's not helping this girl to spite her, but because like he's actually forming a relationship, but. Like they they had it out in that one big fight, and then it literally never gets brought up again. Besides, yeah, when when she asked the eight year old to, to train her, yeah, I think they should have given her more of a role because they did not feel like partners. Agreed. Other than that, the movie told us they were partners, <laughs> and that JJ refused to accept it. Right. I'm curious what you thought of that dance scene. I could have done without most of that. Yeah, it, to me it felt like they're like, we have a joke we're going to use later when his cover gets blown. Uh, and that was part of the joke. And then they're like, we need a callback also to it at the end. But otherwise, like, he was not dancing good enough for everyone in the restaurant to stop and stare at him. Because <laughs> it was supposed to be a joke about when when she the, when the girl asks him, how can you dance? And he does basically just hip thrusts. I thought it he's going to get into this restaurant and make a fool of himself. And he basically should have made a fool of himself, but instead, yeah, it was this big moment of everyone's like, Oh, look at that guy dancing. He's so cool. We should also go dance. And that's, 
not the reaction that should have taken place there. And it was weird because I, I, granted, I've not been to Chicago, but I've been there a fair number of restaurants. Not often do you see restaurants that are like uh, this because this was a clearly a fine dining establishment that also has like a dance floor like that. Well, nobody was ordering Chicago deep dish pizza, so that's how you knew that this was a, like a fine dining establishment. <laughs> right. He wore a scarf there. You don't wear that to get pizza. <laughs> oh, man. So, I, I guess we, we've talked about almost everything except this, this inevitable climactic ending action sequence. Yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it does not totally fit most of the other, like, the rest of the movie. It's something that I feel very much the same way about the original pacifier movie where it's 99% of the movie is just about him bonding with this family. And then at the end they have to throw in bad guys. Yeah. So that's, that's what I was expecting honestly going into this. And so, you know, it's coming cause they keep flashing over to Europe where they're blowing up buildings and things and whatever else. But I, I was at this point so invested in the found family aspects of this movie that I was kind of not annoyed, but I was bummed out when they, they put hit the brakes on that to do actual relevant plot. Right. And this in the, the rough part was like this last, I don't know, quarter to a third of the movie wasn't as funny. And I thought they were going to do some cool things because in the, like, it seemed like they were going to call out some like action movie tropes. Like when they tried to drive like that tiny Fiat through a fence and it just like doinks off of it. And I was like, Oh, okay. We're going for something realistic here. Like we're going to subvert tropes and it's going to be funny. And then he takes a knife and somehow cuts an airplane's wheels. That's coming at him off. That was crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. He goes into like a, like a, I don't know, like a kneeling slide, and he slashes open an airplane tire with just a knife, like a hand knife. I could maybe see he got it punctured. But I do not, I even though we saw him curl in those 10-gallon 10, 10 <laughs> water jugs, I cannot believe a human would have the wrist strength to put it into a plane coming at you at, at a speed fast enough for it to take, you know, to take flight and lift off. And, like, that knife just does not get ripped out of his hand. <laughs> yeah, no way. Also, airplane tires, I think, are incredibly strong. Well, <laughs> yeah, that too. It's, it's yeah, it's not like he's trying to pop a bicycle tire. Like this thing is holding up a, a Cessna that is going to be using that same tire to land, going north of like five hundred miles an hour. <laughs> you're, you're not getting through that with a knife. I don't care if it's stationary. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> I couldn't believe. It. I mean, it was a cool scene, but it was it absolutely pressed the boundary of suspension at this point. <laughs> Yeah, what did you think? Did you have any thoughts on, like, the final fight scene that he had with the guy who was like, Batista is so much larger than you, and you're going to fist fight him? That was patently crazy, and we, we said that, too, at the drive as my buddy looked down at me and said, if Dave Batista's coming at me and I have a gun, I do not drop that gun. Right, like, <laughs> they both are like, you know what, I could shoot this and we all die, let's drop the guns and fight. Like, 
What? I did think it was funny that he got taken out by like the fence. That he, he just gets like pushed over the cliff. Right. Well, wasn't that the entire problem in the beginning where they were like, Dave, you got to keep them alive because we got to question them. And this guy could have been caught. Absolutely. And Batista just shoves him off the side of a cliff. So so something else about that scene that, that troubled me the more I thought about it, and I'd, I'd see if you picked this up too or not. When he goes into the plane, so, I mean, I guess spoilers, but the, the plane is hanging off the edge of a cliff, which I did think it was funny that Kristen Shaw called that out too. Like, who, who builds a runway up to a cliff? Oh my god, that was good. <laughs> So the plane is dangling off the edge of this cliff and it's like nose first kind of and, and tail still on the ground. And Dave Batista climbs into this airplane to get the little girl out and he says, we have to balance the plane. You go out the front, I'll go out the back. But that's not at all how that would work. The plane no. half hanging off. If you send her to the front and him to the back, it'll stay mostly in the same place. But I mean maybe both of you just walk to the back and put all the weight back on the ground part of it. Right. And also like for the amount, let's assume he weighs as build 290 and she's an eighth grader or she's eight, an eight year old girl. <laughs> I don't know. Does she weigh like 75, 60 pounds? I was going to be, I was going to say a hundred pounds is like way pushing it. Right. So how far like on, if we are looking at a seesaw, how far out would she need to stand to actually balance him? And my guess is it would not be the it would be longer than that plane <laughs> because they went like four feet apart. It was not a huge plane. Well, we can kind of answer that because earlier in the movie, Dave Batista's on a seesaw with a bunch of eight-year-olds. There, and there are four of them. I was gonna say, I think it takes four or five of them to balance him out. Right. So this, this seemed like I mean, maybe this is just where my brain is at, but this seemed like a ridiculous like, railroaded D&D exercise where you were just like, I have to make somebody do an acrobatics check today. You go out the front, I'll go out the back. Climb right, like up they... going across the wing for no reason. Yeah, I was going to say, because like, they easily could have just had him like carry her out the back. <laughs> it was so simple. It would be uh, different if it was like, you know, she was on one side of the plane, he was on the other, and it's like it could tilt somehow either way. But you're right, with like the back, like every, you want all that weight on the back. Yeah, and that's why I didn't have a problem with them saying we need to balance it out because it was teetering on the edge of that cliff. But the way they executed it just didn't make any sense. What if it just ended like she went up and she's like, oh no, you tilted it too far and that's the end. <laughs> so they get out of the plane and they do the final the final bit where the guy gets pulled over the cliff by the, the fence in like a magic carpet. And then the... The tanker doesn't blow up like it's supposed to, and they're both all disappointed, so Batista lobs a grenade into it. Dude, I do not know if, like, <laughs> these spies know how grenades work, because they would have been dead. Yeah, 100%. They were so, so close to that tanker. And so would have everybody in the apartment complex when Christian Shaw threw the grenades on the floor. Oh my gosh, I legitimately put in my notes, I'm like, that girl's mom is dead. She blew up an entire floor. I thought they were going to be flashbangs, and then yeah, the whole apartment complex exploded. I hope only the mom and the, the gay couple lived on that floor, otherwise, like, just random people. The dog, is the dog dead? 
Oh, I, yeah, I never got any resolution on that. Well, the dog is the dog is central to the movie. Right, the dog. He is. He's with his best friend. No, not his wife. His dog. Oh man, I couldn't. When he picked that dog up and said, "I would never hurt this," like I was like ten seconds ahead. I was, oh my god, the dog's the best friend. I couldn't believe it. His daughter, no, hated her. Loved the dog though. Um, so Christian, do you know how this fared weirdly at the box office? Cause this is, this does have a box office somehow. So that is, it's, yeah, it's real strange. The box office for this is $4.9 million. The budget was 18 million, but like we said at the top, that box office is, is not really completely indicative of what kind of money it's making since it did go right to prime. These box office numbers are going to be basically like I like I dealt with it, basically just drive-ins around the country, I think. Uh, this this also doesn't really have an, a Rotten Tomato score yet. It has a 49% with critics and nothing with the audiences, so this must have been released really recently. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that it was released, like, Friday. Okay, so... Um... What do you think about that? I, I kind of disagree with the critics. Like, I don't know if I would put it super high, but I think it's like a solid, like, family movie. I guess I'm I'm of two minds about it. I'm not surprised the critics have it that low. It's pretty generic. There is, yeah. There's nothing in this that's overtly shocking or new or, in like, innovative or anything. So it's, it's a very run-of-the-mill movie. I, like I said, it did surprise me in a couple places, but for the most part, you can pretty much predict everything that's going to happen once you get the general gist of what this movie is. That being said, I still thought it was absolutely hilarious. So as, as a, a movie critic, I would probably rate it around there, but as an audience member, absolutely not. It, it's it's so funny. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I would, like, I guess if I was giving it a, percent i'd probably put it somewhere in like the 70s like i enjoyed it there were some funny moments uh but you know it's not one that i think is going to be for everyone because and maybe i just have a a flawed idea of what are kids movies but it it feels more (laughs) like a a movie like a young teenager or maybe even slightly younger would like i don't know it feels kind of like an a throwback to an 80s movie a little bit to me I can feel that a little bit. I guess it just, like I'd said before, it just gives me pacifier vibes, which is, I, I think, maybe the year 2000. I I think I disagree. I do think this is for almost everybody. Uh, I'm curious what you think. I, I'm i I'm wondering if Dave Batista is, like, the either the next rock or the poor man's rock. Like, he's had a pretty <laughs> successful acting career post-WWE, and I I really think if he gets a leading role in a breakout movie, and I know he was Drax, but I I don't know if I would consider Drax like the leading role. Uh, Chris Pratt in my mind led in Guardians, mm-hmm. but like if he gets something like The Rock in The Fast and the Furious, right? Like a a franchise that ends up kind of hitting it off. Like I think he could become a very good star. Oh yeah, and even though Drax wasn't a leading role, it absolutely was a breakout role for him. Like nobody right. knew who he was before that, and now he's well. I mean, I guess people that follow wrestling do, which I am very much not. But uh, like, I had never heard of him before that, and now he's one of my favorite actors. 
Yeah, I mean, we we have been watching anything he's appeared in on this podcast. <laughs> Did you watch? So I had uh, I had almost picked when when I thought it was still my turn for Amazon. I'd almost picked Hotel Artemis. Did you watch that? No, I don't actually know what that is. It's it's another Batista movie. He's he's a secondary character, but it's about like a hotel for criminals. It's like a criminal safe house hospital. And Jodie Foster runs it and Dave Batista is his, is her nurse slash bouncer. Dude, I feel like we're doing a game spot where <laughs> like we're inadvertently doing Dave Batista. Like we're we've hit like a bunch of random movies of this. Yeah. But I mean if uh, Hotel Artemis I think is on Prime too. If, uh, I'm I'm not gonna like pick it for for our podcast or anything, but if you've got time you should watch it. It's pretty good. I'll have to check it out. All right, so also this week, Eric, you got a chance to go through the anime Megalo box. Now, I know absolutely nothing about this besides what I read in your notes. So give me give me a quick rundown. What's what's the gist of this? So I also knew nothing before I picked this, but uh, I went home this weekend and part of when I or I went to see my parents this weekend and my dad likes to watch cartoons with me. So uh me and him have similar tastes, and honestly, like, the newer animes I have not been feeling, but I ended up choosing this one based on art style alone. Uh, it's from 2018, and the best way I can describe it is the anime version of Real Steel minus the robots. Um, if you just ha- it's, uh, in the future, boxing is the major sport, but people strap on robot arms to themselves in box. Wow. And its art style reminds me of, uh, it's like, it's the old style animation. It's not digital. Well, at least I don't think it's digital. It looks hand-drawn. And I I actually tried to look this up, but could not find definitively if it was hand-drawn. But, like, the backgrounds are amazing. It's basically why I used to love anime. And I've kind of fallen off of it where it's, like, every scene is, like, detailed. And it looks so good. And it's stylized, and weirdly, the main character has the same hairstyle as uh, Spike from Cowboy Bebop, which also <laughs> helped draw me in. And it also had really good music; like it's it's different. It draws you in. Um, definitely some sort of some like uh, I just read somewhere someone was saying like lo- it was lo-fi hip hop, which I don't think entirely. But some of the ones they focus on clearly has rapping, so it definitely has like hip hop rock inspired themes. And it was. So good. Well, you have in your notes here, Cowboy Bebop meets Real Steel, and I think I'm in on that alone. Yeah, I, that's the thing is, like, I don't want to oversell the, like, you, I get Cowboy Bebop vibes from the animation, basically, but in the main character, but yeah, and also, like, Cowboy Bebop is, you're going around space, but everything's decrepit, and in this, <laughs> if you're not in the main arena fighting, or you're not, like, by the rich character, everything is, like, decrepit falling apart, like, cyberpunk style, and it's, it's like, one of my favorite styles for anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it's all kind of grungy. Yeah. Um, something about this that I didn't know, because I never actually read this anime, or read this manga, or watched this anime, is... This was created for the 15th, 50th anniversary of Ashita no Joe, which I guess is a boxing uh, anime from back in the 70s, if it's its 50th anniversary. Um, But 
I saw some screenshots and it looked like they tried to do like the modern telling of it where that one was more based in um, reality. But this one is follows uh, underdog story from being in illegal fights where he's starring him to fighting his way to become the champion of they call it megalo boxing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's a pretty simple story, but I enjoyed it. It's like I feel like anime nowadays, everything gets a bit too over convoluted and like this just hit a sweet spot for something I've been looking for. So they're beating each other up with robot arm. Like, do they have armor and stuff on or are they just still like just boxing shorts and robot arms? Yeah, this is what threw me off because I cannot (laughs) imagine these people are not dead. Everyone... (laughs) Everyone except the main character. So the main character starts out using like junk robot arms and then through circumstances so he can make it into a tournament, he starts boxing as Gearless Joe. So he has no robot arms like he's just a normal boxer in there. Oh, my God. And everyone else has like these high tech like uh, things that are supposed to increase punching power and speed. And like the most advanced is like it's literally like cybernetics integrated with the guy's body. And this dude takes so many hits, like, in near knockout blows that I'm just like, this man would be dead. He's dead. (laughs) That's funny. I'm just trying to picture that in my head, and it's ridiculous. (laughs) But it's definitely something that I would be into. Oh, it's it's cool. It's just, like, you definitely need to suspend your disbelief because it's like, that guy would punch through a wall with those arms. (laughs) Like, it's metal hitting him in the face. It's not even, like... When you're getting hit by a glove, like he's getting beat with a crowbar every time he takes a punch. Well, so it's it's like Hobbs and Shaw. Idris Elba punches through a steel truck at the beginning and then just beats the crap out of the rock and Jason Statham and they don't even bruise. Right. And then at the end of this, actually, Jason Statham, the rock and the main character learn that teamwork is how you beat someone <laughs> They win by discovering the concept of teamwork. Unfortunately, he's then disqualified. <laughs> So speaking of of Engels, what is what does he want from joining this tournament with no gear on? Uh, basically, he just wants to be the world champion. So it's it's a simple story. It's easy to follow. He uh, very early on, you find out who the champion is, and he basically he he fights um the main character Joe, and then that's driving him because he wants to fight him again. Um, and that's that's the story. Very very simple. He wants to win. <laughs> so it's it's Mike Tyson's punch out. They, you, you, yeah, you, yeah, it really is. You're little Mac in this, or he's little Mac in this. I'm into it. Well, uh, are there any, is there anybody who really stood out to you besides the, the main guys? Are there any interesting boxers or anything in here? Uh, they actually do a pretty good job of developing the, the main cast is three people. It's Joe, it's his trainer who's, a sleazeball who's like trying to do have a redemption arc and then uh, a kid who helps him train who helps like uh upkeep um you know just in general uh his training plan and all that stuff and i think they're all really well done in 13 episodes they they develop especially the trainer probably has the best arc but they develop the characters well they're likable uh every boxer has their own little bit of flair um i think he fights a total of 7 fights in for the most part, like you learn a little bit about, uh, let's say like four of them. So you're like, okay, they're more than just a throwaway character. And then the other ones yeah. are, are more disposable. That's cool. At least they give like some kind of rounding to them. 
Yeah. One, I will say one thing about this before I forget, because this is, I think, what really drew me into this is, while I'm saying this is boxing with robot arms, like, they do such a good job of actually making it feel like you're watching a boxing match, even though the <laughs> the, the premise is outlandish. And so, like, the, the boxing scenes are pretty cool, but they're not super fast-paced and, and stuff like you see in, in modern anime. And also, they're not, like, stuff you see in modern sports manga or anime where they take simple things and just make them ridiculous. Like, I read the, the manga Kuroko no Basket where it was... They made... S- like, I enjoyed it, but it was, like, such stupid decisions where they're, like this guy's entering the zone and it's like he becomes superhuman like a zone is something you can learn and just and they're like naming their passes and it's like this guy has eagle eye because he can see out of the side of his eye it's just like and that stuff always like throws me off because i used to play basketball like i really like basketball but it's so dumb Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe if someone who boxed watched this would be like no that's dumb but i don't really feel like they get into it like like they do in other stuff. I, they try and stay grounded, which I appreciated for a, a you know, a show about people putting on robot arms and rock them, sock them, roboting themselves. <laughs> I, I agree. I do like, there is a, I guess a time and a place for something like that because I'm, I'm a fan of, of the more ridiculous things. Like uh, every, everybody has one special boxing power, like Eagle Eye. That, like, that's funny to me. And I, I like the innovation, but it is definitely nice to be able to come home to to something a lot more basic driven, right? Like in those, it's like it's the it's like the the shonenification of like the sports manga. Like everyone needs to have like if you read some modern manga, like everyone has a specialty or something. Uh, like for example, like Naruto. If you ever read that, like Naruto can create a bunch of shadow clones in the beginning, and Sasuke has. Uh, like the cheatery, like they'll have their individual things and eventually they grow and get more things. But mm-hmm. in sports manga is like, that's sort of the route they went where it's like, you're really good at one thing. And it's like, <laughs> this guy can jump really high and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, he's jumping so high. But I feel like it, it loses like the rest of like this story where it's like, you can jump really high and still be bad at basketball. Like just doing that Absolutely. doesn't mean you're amazing. <laughs> so but overall, um, this is, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it hit, it scratched an itch for me that I've been looking for. Like, I don't have Funimation anymore. So there's like a fair bit of anime out there on like Netflix and Hulu and stuff. But like nothing, I, I have watched an episode here or there. So, but like nothing has really like hit the nerve that I wanted. And this did. So I, I, I do strongly recommend this one. Good. Uh, where is it that, if you want to watch it? It is on Netflix. Oh, cool. All right, Christian, now it's time for our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap. I have uh, three five-star reviews from Amazon for a movie. I'm going to read you one of the reviews. You'll have two yes or no questions to help you narrow it down, and then you can either choose to guess or ask for another review. I will read one more. You have two more yes or no questions to help you narrow it down, and you can either guess or uh, ask for one more. You get a third review, two more yes or no questions, and then you have to guess. Are you ready? I am ready. This one's a short one. Oh, good. 
An intelligent comedy that is fresh, feminine, and fast-paced. Hands down, one of the best films of 2019. Ooh. Oh, man, what comedies did I watch last year? Does this movie have Melissa McCarthy? I do not think it does. Okay. If she's in it, it's like a bit role that does not register with me. Hmm. Does this movie... Is this movie about con men? Or con women? No. Yeah, then I definitely need another review. Okay. In a way, this movie taught me why penis jokes are so funny to guys. It's the first movie I've stumbled across that has vagina jokes, and well, they're funny. The other things that this movie does so well is that it has two female lead characters who do so much to build each other up. Oh, man. I'm struggling. Ooh. Is this movie directed by Olivia Wilde? Yes, this is directed by Olivia Wilde. Is this movie Booksmart? It is Booksmart. Man, I love Booksmart. <laughs> I know, I, I definitely need to saw that one. So for the first review, if you had gotten on that one, it was an intelligent comedy that is fresh, feminine, fast-paced, hands down one of the best films of 2019. I was, I was going for Little Women. <laughs> Classic comedy, Little Women. Yes. Okay, um... <laughs> Yeah. All right, you're a winner. I'll put you on the list. Hell yeah. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Before we head out, Christian, what are you going to be checking out this week? Uh, so I've got a few books I'm reading. I think I've already mentioned both of them. I'm slowly slogging my way through them. I just I don't like reading as much as I want to like reading. <laughs> It's a big problem. Uh, otherwise, there's a few things on Netflix I'm looking at right now. The uh, the third season of Dark just came on Netflix, which is a very strange German show about like, time travel and caves in the woods. If you don't mind dubbed stuff, I would definitely check out Dark. It's a very strange mystery. It's like German Stranger Things, so it's like more serious and weirder in every capacity. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm probably just going to be playing some video games. I'm working my way through Spider-Man for the like the ultra hard still. I guess it's ultimate difficulty. And I believe the free game of the month in July is Tomb Raider, so I might be scooping that up. It's supposed to be a pretty good one. Um, I've not played any of the new like I know they're not like re uh I don't know what the word like revamping them or uh rebooting them because I think those came out on the PS3 era but since that newer generation like they they're supposed to have been pretty good. That's uh, what I've heard so fingers crossed. So for me, I've actually I've like hit a wall. I've not been in the mood to play video games and I have well Final Fantasy 7 remake which is a big one and I hit a wall at like the worst time for it. <laughs> I was playing that, so I, I'm just trying to get like 
I guess my mojo for video games back. I bought, um, I, I just wanted something easier that I could jump into and, and get into it that way. So I bought Batman The Enemy Within, which is the second episode, I guess not episode, but the second part of the Telltale Batman games. I played the first Batman Boy, I don't even know if we were recording that podcast yet, so it was either 2017, maybe even 2016, uh, and I, I really liked it, so this was on sale for five, uh, 4 dollars or something, so I picked that up for all five episodes, so I'm excited to play that, because I, I do really enjoy the Telltale games. They're easy to do, you just kind of sit there and play them, you don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. And then I also picked up spongebob squarepants the battle for bikini bottom rehydrated which is an hd remaster of the playstation 2 game which i've never played but it has gained notoriety online by the speedrunning community for whatever reason and i always see posts about it where people are doing it or you see videos so i figured i'd pick it up and see what the hype is because it seems like a pretty like generic and easy platform or like a like mascot platformer and so mm-hmm. I'm hoping like something easy like that where it's just fun to jump in and jump out uh, will help me get back into wanting to play video games. Gotcha. All right, guys, thanks for checking us out. If you would like to contact us, we are at GameBots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at GameBots.blog at gmail.com. If you want to send us a suggestion for the Amazon review game, we'll probably end up using it. Otherwise, we have a website now, GameBotsNetwork.com. If you want to check out some reviews that we post on stuff either we talk about on the show or things we don't really get around to. And finally, if you're listening to somewhere that you can rate or subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help us with advertising. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.